Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Andrea Epolito celebrating life, luxury, and above all else love. I am doing this topic by special request. Now, I have had a couple of people reach out and say, oh my God, COVID-19, Corona, what's going on? There's going to be a recession. I'm so freaked out. And I actually spoke about this about four months ago at Engage. I had given a presentation called Surviving the Dip, How to Weather a Recession and Come Out Stronger on the Other Side. Now, at the time, COVID and Corona was not even on our radar, but just the cyclical nature of the world and economics made me feel like we perhaps had a downturn coming, and I wanted our industry to be prepared. So this is going to be a longer episode. It's a longer podcast. I do have something posted on YouTube if you want to see slides, and I also have my actual presentation available, but that's even longer. And so what I wanted to do is walk you through the notes that I have on this so that if any of you are out there and you are concerned and you're worried and you're trying to figure out what to do and how to get through this, hopefully this will be a guide for you. First of all, I go back to the thing that I always say when it comes to my presentations and I talk about being in the luxury space. Luxury is personal and it's on purpose. We are all, by virtue of the fact that we are not needed to live, we are all unnecessary. And that means we're all in the luxury business. And so regardless of whether or not you are working with entry-level budgets, or if you're working with people who spend six, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a head, you're a luxury for your client. Now, I felt about a year ago that the dip was coming, and everyone freaks out when you say the word recession because it has such a negative connotation. But recession is a a natural part of life. Nothing can be in a state of perpetual expansion. There has to be an ebb and flow, and we need to kind of contract and pull back sometimes in order to right the wrongs of the world. Statistically, when it comes to economics, the the length of a boom economy is about 3 to 3.2 years, where a recession or the dip is about a year and a half. Now, given the fact that only 50% of all small businesses survive the first five-year period, that means that half of us are not going to make it out of the dip cyclically. And that's very, very scary. And so aside from COVID-19, whether you find this now or you stumble upon this in three years and you're wondering, how do I know if I'm about to head into recession? Well, let's go through the signs. First of all, your leads start to slow down. The type of lead that you get becomes erratic. You're no longer being asked for 200-person weddings. You're being asked about 50-person weddings. Your closing rate dwindles. Maybe you see that there are big holes in your peak season. And when you do finally go ahead and give your clients options, they struggle to make a decision. Their ability to buy confidently is hindered. And then on top of it, you start to see that your partner services change. So the people that you work with all the time are starting to differentiate what they're doing. So perhaps a photographer isn't just offering eight to 12 hour coverage. They're only offering six or they're adding on something shorter. A wedding planner who has always been known for design and full planning is now offering month up. These are, these are just kind of little hints that you should be looking for saying, okay, something is changing. Now, how do you be prepared? 
for a dip. First of all, I say always have fuck you money. This is a big deal for me and it has been my entire life. That money means I don't need to take this client that I don't like. I don't need to post an affiliate link for this company because I don't believe in them. It gives me peace of mind for about three to six months. And it's hard not to go back and spend that money because it's just sitting there. But that is your safety net. Now, if you find that you're going into coronavirus and you're going into COVID and you don't have that money on the side, the first thing that I want you to do is go through all of your expenses and slash anything that is not 100% necessary. As the country moves to a shelter in place, most of us aren't going out and you know doing lunches or dinners or cocktails, things like that. But look at all of your subscriptions. Look at everything that you're paying for and cut anything that you don't absolutely need. Then I want you to go to anyone that you owe money to and see if you can renegotiate your credit rates. This is your bank, your mortgage, your car lease, anything along those lines. And then once you've taken your expenses down as low as you possibly can, I really suggest that you start operating based on cash flow. Look at the money that you do have, break it out for a three, six, or nine month period, see how long that you can stretch it, and then only buy what you can cover in cash. Because otherwise, you are going to go into that survival mode. You're going to start doing month of. You're going to start offering less coverage. You're going to start seeing venues modify menus. This is what I call the only work. If you only want or if you can only afford this, I'll do it because I only want your money. This is an epic fail. Please do not do this. It doesn't work. If you go out and you start to pull back on what you offer just because you feel this need to get money in the door, this practice is going to commoditize what you do. It makes you one of many because you're casting a much wider net just like everyone else. And so it becomes harder to be heard by the right people. It becomes harder to catch the attention of the right client your art and your integrity are going to get lost in the process. And the very worst of all is that when this changes, and my friends, I promise you, this is going to change. This is one moment in our history. If you have downgraded your business and your promise that deeply, when it changes, you're going to be so far behind the eight ball. So please, please don't do this. There are ways to do it differently. There's ways to do it better. What if we looked at this as an opportunity to change and grow, to do work that really, really matters? Now, Seth Godin, who's a big author, he wrote the book, The Dip, and actually it was gifted to me by Sean Lowe a couple of years ago. And he says that the dip is an opportunity to step away from the bonds of the past and the pre-existing norms and build something new, new processes, new community, new mindset. Seth says that the dip is where innovation is. And I have to tell you, I couldn't agree more. So if you're in the middle of it, if you're in the thick and you're like, I don't know what to do. First thing I want you to do is really start to niche down. Niche is going to be vital to your success, especially if you are looking to attract and keep a high-end clientele. Sean and the BBC talk all the time about how when the bubble burst in uh, 2008, that luxury not only survived, 
but thrived. LVHM right now is continuing to do well. And so if you want to make sure that you can make the most out of this, the answer is not to cast a wider net, but it's to cast a smaller one. Because you need to know who you are for and who you're not for. And you need to commit to only speaking to those who matter. Now, why does this work? It works because your clients are smarter than they've ever been. The investments that they're making have to mean more. And so when somebody is going to book a venue, when they're going to hire a videographer, when they're looking for a planner or for a hair and makeup artist, they are going to seek out the best, not the cheapest. They know the cost. They want the value. And so they're going to look for the most prolific, the most radical, the one who is everywhere. The more niche you are, the more you're considered to be separated from the masses and the less replaceable you're going to become. So when you're thinking niche down and you're going, okay, great, but I'm, I'm not quite sure who to talk to. I'm not sure how to talk to them. You're going to create a client avatar. Again, this is all on YouTube if you feel like you need slides or anything like that. But your ideal client avatar worksheet is going to be based on the best experience you've ever had with a client and or your dream client. So we're going to start with very broad strokes. Who are they? How old are they? How are they educated? Where do they live? Are they city? Are they country? Are they domestic or are they out of the U.S.? What do they do for a living? What do they read? What kind of vacations do they take? What brands do they love? Once you've got a very broad picture, I want you to go deeper into who they are. What do they care about? How do your clients imagine themselves? Do they see themselves as being very fashion forward? Do they see them as being traditionalists? What about the world and about life does your client wish were true? And very importantly, what do your clients fear? What are they afraid of when it comes to hosting a wedding? And what memory are they investing in? Once you have a very detailed photo, I mean, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to physically see this couple. Now you're able to develop a personal brand that aligns directly with who your client is. So when it comes to developing a personal brand, all things being equal, people want to work with people that they like. All things not being equal, people still want to work with people that they like. And it always has to start with your why. Why are you in this industry? Why do you do what you do? Why do you care? Simon T. Bailey always says when he speaks, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when you are trying to niche down and when you're trying to figure out who your perfect client is and develop a brand that exactly and only speaks to them. You have to make sure they're in alignment. So I'm going to use myself as an example. I always say I am timely and I'm timeless. What are the things that I care about? I care about heritage. I care about legacy. I care about being able to tell a story from generation to generation. I want to be modern. I want to be fashionable. I want to be cutting edge. But the history of who I am and who I got here matters. Those things matter to my clients. My clients love fashion and they shop in both high and low. My brides love shoes. They love jewelry. All of my clients 
are foodies. They love to travel. They stay in great hotels. These are the things that matter to them. And so if you go out, if you look on my social, if you look at my story, what am I doing? I've always got great shoes. I literally live for Louboutin, Jimmy Choo, um, YSL, and oh my God, my rock studs from Valentino. They're amazing. I match them to my bags. And so I immediately look timely and timeless. I immediately look fashionable, but I will be wearing these shoes and carrying these bags with a dress from Banana Republic or with something from BCBG. It's not crazy expensive. It's not all couture. It shows that I'm smart and that I'm making an investment in the things that matter, but I'm still a little bit fresh. I'm still cutting edge. My clients love jewelry. I spend a lot of time going to visit jewelry stores, everything from Harry Winston to Graf to Tiffany to K Jewelers, because I just want to see what's out there. And every time I see something interesting, I post it on my stories. My husband and I are huge foodies. We travel everywhere. I make sure that when I am looking to see where am I going to stay, I'm asking myself, would my ideal client stay here? If I come back from Cabo, can I have a conversation with my client about the montage? Can I have a conversation about Salahs? Because maybe these are places that Gareth's considering for their honeymoon. Because my ideal clients are going to travel at that level. Where are they not staying? Probably not staying at a Hilton. Probably not staying at a Holiday Inn. It does, it's okay if your clients are. Hell, 10 years ago, that's exactly where my clients were. But I made sure that I align my experiences with theirs because who I am as a brand and who I am as a person has to match for them. So if you are looking at your last 18 months of work and you're trying to figure out where there's a disconnect, build your client avatar and say, this is exactly who I want to work with. Do the same exact thing. Walk yourself through the steps of who you are today and then do another avatar for your business and for your brand and find the gaps and fill them. Once you have the avatar and the brand, now we're going to go into marketing. Do not cut back on marketing. It is the place you cannot afford to start pulling back from money. You can cut dinners, subscriptions, the gym, you have to double down on marketing. Why? First of all, you should be able to buy ad space at a really great price right now. Because when everybody else is hiding, you will be at the forefront. You'll be highly visible. Your marketing dollars are that much more valuable today than they ever were. And I'm going to tell you something now here on this that I didn't say in my speech and that I didn't put in my YouTube video. One thing that you can do in terms of marketing today is to reach out to other wedding pros, to reach out to other influencers and to say to them, hey, what if we did a trade or what if I paid you for a spot or what if I was able to buy 30 minutes on your stories? Now, it sounds weird to do this because most of us are friends with each other and there's this idea that you don't trade money with friends. I actually think the opposite. I think you don't ask for favors from friends. If you want to make an investment in somebody's business, if you want to make an investment in your own, you show up at the table and you handle it like business. Your business and your personal relationships stay separate. 
But if there's an influencer out there that you're like, God, I'd really love to put myself in front of their client base, then offer to do a trade, offer to do a spotlight, offer to spend $250 to do an Instagram takeover. It's not a ton of money, but it shows that you respect the process. It shows that you respect their brand. And it is a new way of marketing yourself that nobody else is looking at except for us here on the podcast. So make sure that you are getting social. Social media is such a given today and we're not employing it in a meaningful way. The number of times that I hear somebody say like, oh, I don't do social media. I'm not into it. Are you crazy? You have to be into it. You don't have a choice. There's there's no choice except to be on social media. And when you're creating content, just putting it out there without a plan is not enough. You need to have a content calendar, you need to have a method of distribution, and you need to understand that people consume content in one of four ways. They see it and they scroll by it really quickly. So Facebook post with a picture, Instagram image, Pinterest, this is what they see. They read it blog post, LinkedIn article, Twitter post, maybe a long caption. They watch videos. So where do they watch? They watch YouTube, they watch IGTV, they watch Instagram stories, and they watch broadcasts. And then they listen, podcasts and audiobooks. So if you're thinking of the four ways that people are going to be able to consume your content, what are they? They're going to see it, read it, watch it, and listen to it. And so after you kind of sit down with that, I want you to go and take out a blank sheet of paper and I want you to come up with topics that you can talk about, images that you can show, videos that you can share so that you can have a list under each one of these spaces so that you can actually go in and start creating things that are meaningful. Do not create the same content and put it up everywhere at the exact same time. You want to shake it up a little bit. And once you have that, I want you to start to experiment and convert. So I tell everyone this. My husband says he's going to take it off my phone. Get on TikTok. You are crazy if you're not on TikTok. I picked up 7,000 followers in my first 30 days. Once I once it converted and once I was like, okay, this is a thing, 7,000 followers in 30 days. I'm over 17,000 followers now. And what's great is I converted about 1,200 of them to Instagram. I met two new photographers and I moved 10 of them off of my TikTok because it's only a minute onto my YouTube space. This is important. When you have an emerging vehicle and TikTok is still a baby, it's still new, Not everybody is on it. You will be able to get attention much quicker and much sooner. And why does this matter? Because in order to survive a recession, you need to create a community. Now, a community is just a group of people that are bound together through the sharing of common attitudes, through interests, through goals. Your commonalities are going to create feelings of trust and love and respect Back to Seth Godin, he says, people like us do things like this. We say it all the time on our BBC calls. People like us do things like this. And right now is your opportunity to create two totally different communities. The first is a community for your clients. So I'm going to use this as an example of something that I did years ago. 
I noticed that I had three brides that were consistently liking and commenting on photos and stories of each other's planning process. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, I'm going to use initials just to be respectful. I had JB, I had JH, and I had AT. JB was doing a poolside wedding ceremony with an indoor reception. JH was having a ballroom and AT was doing a destination. Now, based on their design, based on their locations, you would think they have nothing in common, but they had me in common and they enjoyed the process of working with me. And so they started watching each other. So I reached out to all of them and said, Hey, I noticed that you guys keep liking each other's pictures. Would it be cool if I introduced you? And I introduced them all on email. And then from email, we started a group chat in Instagram. Those brides are still friends today. They still comment on each other's pictures. They've gone on to talk about weddings, marriages, babies, all of the things. And over the year, I've continued to watch their relationships grow. And the big thing that tied them together is me. Now, what's great about that is other brides, other grooms, other clients see it. They understand that I'm in it for more than just the paycheck, and they want to be a part of that community. They want to see themselves shared through other people. They want an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than themselves, and that gives me an opportunity to move into their lives in other ways. So aside from their weddings, I've gone on to plan some of their baby showers, Now, when I'm writing a caption and I'm getting on social and I'm putting something out there and I'm going, all right, who's this for? Is it for a client or is it for a wedding professional? It's for a client. So what do I write? This is an exact caption. I wrote, this is your not so basic baby shower. Don't be afraid of using bold combinations. This black, pink, and soft green color palette is both classic and edgy with so many personal touches, such as multiple charges, white handled utensils, and flickering candlelight. There's something magical about doing a baby shower, birthdays for little ones, and social events. It allows me to be involved in generations of a family. By giving me the privilege of watching a family grow, I'm able to fully connect with my clients as people. Seeing them in their homes with their families and friends and watching them in their natural environment allows me to learn so much. This insider information allows me to tell a better story pulling out personal purpose and information, and together we can create legacy experiences that benchmark a moment in this family's history. Okay, stop, find this post, and read it again. Because what am I doing? Listen to the words. It allows me to be involved in generations of a family. I'm timely and I'm timeless. I care about heritage. I care about legacy. By giving me the privilege of watching a family grow, I'm acknowledging the fact that my clients are choosing me and I understand how valuable that is. I am able to fully understand who my clients are as people because ultimately we all want to be understood. This insider information allows me to tell a better story, pull out personal purpose and information, and together we create legacy experiences that benchmark a moment in a family's history. That isn't about the pretty. It has nothing to do with the picture. It is all about the process. And so when you are going through and you're showing things and you're thinking about how do I create community, these things, talking directly to your ideal clients about things that matter to you, that's how you create a community for your clients. 
Now, if we're on social and we're trying to create a community for colleagues, I want you to look at the two or three creative partners that you have that you do the most work with. And I want you to screen grab their Instagrams. I'm going to use the example of Javier Valentino because he is not only my very, very close friend, but he and I have done some of the most extraordinary weddings together in the last year. And I'm going to use Lavella Bridal for the same. Nairi is one of my closest friends. She's been here on the podcast. She's been on my YouTube. You guys know her really well. And Lavella is a stunning salon that my couples return to again and again and again because they just are so good. If you screen grab mine and the two of them and you put our top nine, our top 12 up against each other, they look very similar. You could almost swap them in and out because they all have the same feel. They all have the same vibe. And very often, if I show a photo of a big flowering tree and I tag Javier into it, Javier will a day or so later share it on his profile. And then if I tag a dress from Nairi and Lavella, she'll do the same. Now, why is this important? Because it is number one, being appreciative and respectful of the people whose work I built my business off of, but it also is providing them with social proof, showing their clients that they are on a page of another pro. And it shows my clients that I'm connected to good people who do good work. So if you're trying to figure out how to market yourself without coming out of pocket for cash, get together and start figuring out ways that you and your top three, your top five vendors can start showing each other's work on a more regular schedule so that you are not just copying the captions over, but that you're each saying something new so that no matter where it is that the client finds you, no matter where it is that another pro sees it, they're constantly being exposed to your work, to your messaging, and to the things that matter to you in a very intentional way. So that is building community. That is using social proof. And then when you have something to say, when you have a message and you have a voice in this industry, you are utterly required to use it. If you have spent time in this industry, if you are trying to grow yourself, there is always someone who is behind you. There is always someone who's ahead of you. But your story matters. And so I encourage all of you, if you've been toying with the idea of a podcast and you're like, oh God, man, I don't have... I don't have a mic. I don't have this. I don't have that. You can start a podcast in 10 minutes for free. Download the Anchor app. It is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's where I started. I moved on from there once I kind of got the hang of it. But if you're tinkering, please go out and start a podcast today. I want to hear from you. And if I want to hear from you, I know there are other people who want to hear the same. And after you've started a podcast, you need to start doing video. Now, for for people like me who like aren't the naturally pretty, I woke up like this, video is frightening because it means that I've got to put on like hair and makeup and a bra and pants and I have to get dressed every day. But you cannot sell what you cannot show. And so you need to be creating videos for two different communities as well. You want to have videos that are very much geared to your clients. And so my client videos are the highlight reels, 
that I show. So the videographer has done a 60 second to three minute highlight reel and I post those. I also show the behind the scenes because I want my clients to understand exactly what they're paying for. I want them to understand just what a big production this is. I want them to watch a 36 hour install happen in 45 seconds. But then I also have videos and podcasts that are just specifically for pros. Why? Because I do work as a business coach, because I do work as a consultant, and there's a bunch of things that I'm doing outside of general wedding planning, and I want to let people see that. And so when it comes to those videos, I'm talking about how do you rehome a wedding? How do you shift a date? How do you take over from another client? Why? Because these are things that people in my industry are interested in. And what this does in terms of creating these communities is it gives me the opportunity to diversify and create funnels. This is never about offering you light. This is about identifying the needs of the community that you've created and filling it with great information, with great content, and with something that is utterly unique that goes back and supports your core business, that goes back and supports your business avatar. So the first thing that I did after I was creating all of this free content and I realized, okay, there's a place, like there's a need for wedding planners to have access to good information, to ask questions, to share information. I have a following in terms of when I speak. I have a following in terms of the podcast, but I want to create a smaller community. I want to really niche down. So I started Andrea Polito Education. It's just for wedding planners. And I built it out as a Facebook page and I said, okay, I'm going to post downloads. I'm going to post videos here first. I'm going to post podcasts here. I'm going to take Q&A sessions and I'm going to let the community very like have absolute access to me and they can reach me here at any time. Once I did that and I started building a community there, people were like, this is what I'm looking for. Like, hey, you're always reading. Can you tell me what books I should be reading? Absolutely. I created a free download guide so that people could read what I'm reading. Um, you know what? I listened to your podcast. I find it really intimidating. I'm just not sure that I could do it. Great. I'm going to give you a free guide on how to start a podcast. You know, I'm I'm like literally inundated. I can't create a calendar. I just don't have time. Okay. That's a lot more work. And so now what do I do? I move them from free content to paid buy-in. I have a content calendar. You want it? It's $97. Right now it's $47. I'll give it to my group for $20. Something like that. Because that's created another opportunity for me to do what I love. I exist because I want to create extraordinary moments for extraordinary people. That's a big big deal for me. Now, in my business, I can only do that six or seven times a year. That's it. But out in the world, out in the, the if I expand the net, and this is where you start expanding, if I can teach 10, 20, 30 extraordinary people how to build extraordinary businesses, and then they can go out and create extraordinary experiences for their clients in Florida, in Mexico, in Toronto, in Ohio, 
then I further my life's work. I, I further, it's, it's not a money grab, people. It's legitimately, I care about this. I want to do this. But now I can teach other people how to do that. They liked the free content. They bought something that was kind of entry level. And that gave me the confidence to go out and create the courses that I did last year. So the Business Blueprint for Wedding Planners and the Masterclass. Those two things, the success of the courses, re-kind of invigorated me, gave me the confidence, let me know that, yes, there are people who want this, there are people who appreciate it, and that helped me write two books. Those things allowed me to expand on the Wedding Editorialist magazine. That let me help other people with their marketing. Does it sound like I don't love any of these things? Of course not. I am obsessed with them. I live for this. This is the only, outside of my husband and my kids, this is the only thing I care about. And because it's the thing I care about, because it's the thing that I wake up every single day and I'm like, I love this. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to video it. I can't wait to share it. And it is my why. I've been able to create businesses that are kind of staggered that all go back to the same main place. And so I want you to do the same thing. Now, you may be thinking, that's a lot. Like, I get it, but it's a lot. Like, you want me to do all the things. You want me to take care of my clients. You want me to write blogs. You want me to start a podcast. You want me to write an article. You want me to write a book. You want me to post on Instagram. And if you're somebody like me, you still want to like be a good mom and be a good partner and be a good daughter and sister and friend and, you know, do all of that. How do you get it all done? It's insane. I'm not going to lie. But I want you to go and I want you to look up task batching and time blocking. I literally take all of my tasks. I write out everything that I do and then I organize them into groups. So which tasks are writing, blogs, articles, books, which tasks are video, live, TikTok, YouTube, which tasks are talking. I'm in the BBC. I know I'm going to be talking to Sean and the group for 90 minutes every Thursday. Well, after that, maybe I'll tape one or two podcasts and maybe I'll set up a conference call. Which tasks are educational? When am I taking courses? Okay, maybe I can do those on Saturdays when I don't have weddings, while my kids are having their iPad time. You take all the tasks and you group them in to like-minded activities. Then you block time out for each type of activity on your schedule. So I time block out my kids getting to school and coming home. And that creates kind of edges. It gives me a structure for my day starts here and stops here. And in the middle of those brackets, I fill it with writing tasks. I fill it with speaking tasks. I fill it with video tasks. They're all color coded. It looks like the reading rainbow when you open up my calendar but they're there. And that helps me organize myself. And if you guys want, if you request it, I'll do a bigger, longer video about how exactly it is that I get this stuff done and I'll get it up for you on YouTube. So like I said, this has been a really, really long podcast. I'm going to end it with 10 tenets for success because this is such a strange, unprecedented and crazy fluid time for all of us. Um, We're going to make it through. A lot of us, the ones who are willing to do the work and who are willing to buckle down and who are willing to suffer and diversify and double down on our strengths, we're going to earn the right to exist in another two years. 
And there's some people who aren't going to, and that's sad, but it's also just life. But if you are in it with me, if you are in the thick of it, and you are saying, I need to get through this, here's the 10 things that I really believe. Number one, be curious and be open. Take your blinders off and look around. Ask why over and over and over again. And when you get the answers, let them spark new ideas because this is the place that you're going to grow and create and learn. Number two, be vulnerable. Being vulnerable is very different from being authentic. Authenticity says, this is who I am, and I'm completely secure in this space. Whereas vulnerability says, I know who I am. This is who I am. This is what I created, and this is what I want from the world. And then you allow the world to judge you, knowing that the judgment may not always be positive, but that it will always spark growth. Number three, be a beacon of integrity. I can't tell you the number of horror stories that I've heard in the last two weeks about people putting their heads in the sand, people hiding, people not doing right by their clients. You need to have integrity, not just for you, but for the future of the industry. Set the highest of standards for yourself. Live them every day and demand that your creative partners do the same. It is only with integrity that we are going to build something that is strong enough to support us as we climb out of this pit. Number four, be a perfectionist. Perfection is on a table, unattainable. It's the lie and the thing that we all chase. It's like that Matthew McConaughey um, speech where he talks about, you know, chasing himself in five years and in 10 years. You're never going to get there. But the pursuit of perfection allows you to push beyond your comfort level. It allows you to grow. And that's where you move the needle. Being a perfectionist is going to rub people the wrong way because you're going to come off as being difficult or demanding, I don't care. Always seek a perfect experience because that is the work that is going to elevate your brand. Number five, be constructive and critical. This is different from being a perfectionist. This is about review. Review your work and review the work your partners have done. Be ruthless in exploring the negative space and where you failed and bring people into your process. Be self-critical first. Note what you were lacking. Note where you fell short. And then talk about how you're going to strive to be better. And then and only then, invite your partners to do the same because you'll create a safe space that will allow people to talk comfortably. Number six, be decisive. This time is about forward motion. You are never going to have all the information. And at times, you're going to need to rely just on your instinct. And that's okay because your gut knows things before your head does. Listen to it. Pull the trigger. Try the weird thing. And if it works, bonus. If it doesn't work, walk away and try something new. But thinking, overthinking, mentally masturbating about all of this stuff again and again and again, that doesn't get you anywhere. Make a decision, pull the trigger, and just go. Number seven, be accountable. Own your business. Own your dip. Own your future. I did not create coronavirus. I did not create COVID-19, but you know what? It may not be my fault, but it is my responsibility. And by shredding the paper dragon, by not pointing fingers, I take away its power and I free up all of this energy to focus on the new and the innovative. Take responsibility today for wherever it is that your business sits. Sit 
and accept the sting of the recession and then get up and move past it as quickly as possible. You're going to do this by diving into number eight, and that means being a risk taker. The world moves fast. Information is available instantaneously. We have learned over the last 10 days that opinions are formed very quickly. And collective opinions change culture. They change the trajectory of the industry. Sacred cows are going by the wayside. You need to be willing to try something new, to micro-test, and to understand that in many ways you're going to fail spectacularly. But when you succeed, the rewards are going to be exponential. Don't be afraid about failing. Nobody is paying attention to your failures because they're so worried about their own. And number nine, be optimistic about the opportunity that you have to not fail. Believe that the business will provide because the business always does. The cycle will turn. It always has and it always will. And number 10, be willing to walk away. I started this out saying that half the businesses out there aren't going to make it. Some of them are going to die a really slow death and others are going to make the very difficult but incredibly respectful decision to just put down the sword. Maybe Nobody enjoys this. I don't enjoy going into a recession. I don't enjoy dealing with coronavirus or COVID. It's hard, but we endure this because we love the industry. But if at any point in this process, you wake up and you hate it, if you hate the work, if you hate your clients, if you hate yourself, then it is time to get out. And if you see someone who's doing all the things that they think they should be doing, if they are stuck in their own head, if they refuse to take advice, and if they are clinging to a world that no longer exists, and you really believe, number one, that they're not going to make it, and number two, that they are doing damage to their clients and to our industry by staying in this, give them permission to walk away. Success is not defined solely by survival. Sometimes the biggest success is found in saying, I've done the best that I can and now it's over. And if that is the right decision for you, please know that it is 100% okay and that the world is waiting for your second or third act. As for me, I am not going anywhere because there is nothing in the world that I love like I love this industry. Like I love my clients, like I love my community, like I love you guys. This is a moment in time. It's going to pass. I promise you. I hope that this very long podcast has given you information. I hope it has given you the courage, the permission, and the confidence to go out and survive this dip so that you can continue celebrating life luxury and above all else love with me here. If you have any questions, please reach out. Let me know. Otherwise, we've got nothing but time and I'm going to talk to you guys again soon. Thanks so much. Bye.